You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. God bless you so much for being here. Please, let's focus in. Make sure that our cell phones are on silent right now as we look into God's Word. Nothing is more important than what's going in uh, right now. Please do not move, get up, and walk around unless you absolutely have an emergency. But God bless you so much for being here. I want to make sure that we can focus in. Matthew chapter 13 is where we're going to be. Stand once you've found it. We stand for what we respect, and we certainly respect God's Word. Matthew chapter 13. If you are unable to stand, I completely understand. If you need to sit, yes, thank you. I I meant to do that. And uh, we are reading several verses, so I I can understand if you are sitting. Unless you're a teenager, stand up. Yeah, you have no excuse, absolutely not at all. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, starts with the words, the same day. I don't know if we're going to get to why it says that today. We might do that next week or two weeks from now, depending on how much I want to yell today. But I feel like it, so. The more that you amen, the shorter I'll be. You're going to have to do better. You're going to have to do better on that. The same day, very important, went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, very key, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, or as a teenager in my youth group growing up, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell among, upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Now, Jesus is about to say something absolutely important and incredible. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. Now, I know we'll get to that one today. I don't know. We'll see. The disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables. If you're trying to be so clear with them and tell them exactly what you are trying to say, why are you obscuring it in this way? And here's his answer. He answered and said unto them, because it is given, keyword, it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Why? Is Jesus racist? Why, why is it given to them and not given to other people? Is Jesus playing favorites? Is Jesus a respecter of persons? Is, is Je- no, 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 no. Jesus is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. Okay? So, why have some been given to know the mysteries, and why have some not been given to know the mysteries? Here's the answer. For whosoever hath, now, Dad, you can redeem yourself here on this one, hath what? Whosoever hath what? And look back at verse 9. 
Who, thank you, Dad. Who has... <laughs> Happy Father's Day. All right. Who, whosoever hath ears to hear, right? What happens to them? To him shall be given. This isn't Jesus' choice. This is your choice. Whomsoever hath ears to hear, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Making sense? We're going to skip verse 13 through 17 because my dad took up too much time. Verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. In other words, you're hearing, but you're not listening. Ever said that before? You have teenagers? You're hearing me, but you're not listening to me. One ear out the other. I understand that things are vibrating your ears, but it's not vibrating your brain, okay? So you hear it, but you're not listening. You're understanding it not. Then cometh the wicked one, and calling back to verse 12, taketh away, catcheth away the seed which, uh, that he received by the, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm skipping around. Catch of the way, that which was sown in his heart, this is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Anon means immediately, right away. With joy receiveth it, yet hath he no root in himself, but doreth for a while, endureth for a while, for when, not if, when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word by and by he is offended, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, either the problems of the world or the prosperity of the world, and the devil will use either to send you to hell or to bring hell to you. He'll bring you problems, He'll bring you prosperity if it means he can mess up your life. He'll do both. He'll make you rich. He'll make you poor. He'll make you happy. He'll make you sad. He doesn't care. He just wants to ruin your life. And he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also bringeth, uh, beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. But all of them are fruitful. Right? Right? Lord, please bless the preaching of your word. Save the soul that is near as hell. Revive backsliders. Change hearts. Glorify your name. And do it for your sake. Lord, we pray to you not because of our righteousness, but because of your mercies. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you can tell, I am a little perturbed this morning. I don't know that I've ever used the word perturbed before, but I like it. I'm going to use it a lot today. I'm a little perturbed, but that's okay because some of the best messages you will ever hear are in a cold auditorium with a mad preacher. And I'm coming for you today. Welcome to Heritage Baptist Church. I'm coming for you religious people. I'm coming for you religious people who are comfortable in your religion and comfortable in your good works. Let no, you will not be able to say after this day that nobody warned you that your religion is not enough to take you to heaven. I'm going to warn you today. But then I'm coming for you saved people. You who are born again. You who do believe in Jesus Christ and nothing else. You who have been washed, washed in the blood. I'm coming from you too. Or I'm coming for you too because yeah, you're saved. And yeah, you have your ticket to heaven. But your heart is so messed up 
You've got sin hidden just beneath the surface. Or you're distracted by the world. And you're complacent. And you look comfortable. Well, I'm here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. I am coming for you saved people who think just because you have your ticket punched to heaven that you can just act however you want to act and live however you want to live. And frankly, I'm getting tired of it. I'm tired of how cold you are. I'm tired of people who think that because they have tenure in the church, they can act however they want. Let me tell you something. Do you know what makes a pillar of the church, Brother Ben? People seem to believe that because they have tenure in the church that they're a pillar in the church. Miss Nichols, how long have you been here at this church? About 12 years. That does not make you a pillar, ma'am. I am not negating your faithfulness. God bless your faithfulness. Now, Miss Nichols is a pillar, but not because of her tenure. Other people seem to think that they are a pillar here because they have money. I don't care. I don't care that you have money. God doesn't care that you have money. He's the one who gave it to you. He can take it away. Just because you have money and you write a big fat check... And you sit like this in your seat because you have a fat wallet. Yeah, you have back problems too, I guarantee you. That does not make you a pillar of the church. I don't care if you paid for the pillars in the church. You are not a pillar of the church because you have money. You are not a pillar of the church because you have tenure. You're not a pillar of the church because you have an opinion. And because you have an opinion, you're just going to share it. Yeah, yeah, oh, who, who said that? I will. I will. Do you, you, remember, you remember Bambi with Thumper? What did Mama teach Thumper? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But people seem to believe, I have tenure here, and I give money here, which means I can do this. I'm coming for you. Let me tell you what makes you a pillar, Brother Ben. Support. Which means somebody who's been in the church a day, Brother Cade, Miss Danielle, you just joined the church on Monday. This is your first service as as church members. You can be a pillar of the church just as much as someone who's been here for 50 years because you can be supportive. And, it, and somebody who's been here for a week and who's given $5 can be a pillar of the church by being supportive, by having a right heart and saying, I just want to do what the Bible says to do. And they can be a pillar of a church a lot more than someone who's been here 50 years and given $50 million but isn't supportive. And the truth is, I'm sick and tired of this problem I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm tired and sick of it. And this problem that I'm going to bring forward today and probably next week, because I haven't even reached my introduction yet. (laughs) This problem that I'm going to bring forward is the main problem in our world today. It's the main problem. It's the main problem in our churches. It's the main problem in our families. 
It's the main problem in our marriages. It's the main problem in our kids. It's the main problem in our public schools. It's the main problem in our government. It's the main problem in our church members. And I'm not talking about other church members. I'm talking about our church members. It's the main problem in our church members. It's the main problem in our pastors and in our preachers. I, and you cannot convince me otherwise. My mind is made up. I know that this problem that I'm going to bring forth for however long I do it, is the main problem. I know it because I observe the symptoms of it every single day that I live. I observe the symptoms of this problem. I'll start with me. I observe this problem in my heart. I observe the symptoms of this problem in my life through, through just this pull, this pull to the world. You know, if, if, this, if this was the line between right and wrong, there's this tendency in me. And it's difficult to fight. I don't care what it is, if it's my eyes, if it's my ears, if it's my mouth. When, when something comes in right here, my nature isn't, well, you probably shouldn't say that. Not your business. My nature is let her fly and let her fly with color and gusto and sincerity. I mean, if you're going to say something mean, at least mean it, you know. <laughs> I see it in my own life. I see it in the worry that I carry. I see it in the selfishness that plagues my mind and my life. The last three preachers that have stood up here have said this. I am my favorite person. I don't know that I would go so far to say that, but I love my mother's son. I observe this problem daily in our country. This is Pride Month. This is Pride Month. When God resists the proud, I don't care they've come out of the closet. Do I hate them? No. I don't hate somebody because they don't sin the way that I sin. But they're not going to throw it in our faces and expect us to sit down and not stand against it when I've got chapter and verse that says it's wrong. But I'm going to come against the LGBTQ plus, which, by the way, don't forget plus, because they're not done. Plus is the scariest thing in that. But that's just as much as an abomination as a proud look is. And that's America's problem. Pride. I observe it in our country. The alcohol, the drugs, the hatred and injustice, the racism, the violence, the greed. I observe it in our city. You can't walk into the mall without seeing more nakedness, more nudity. It's ridiculous. Uh, ladies, I I'm glad I'm a guy. I, I really am. I'm glad I'm a guy. I don't have to deal with all that. I, I just never had a, a, a desire to wear shorts that go to here. And then a t-shirt that goes longer than the shorts. 
but uh, ladies, uh, be before I get into the whole what the Bible says about covering yourself, just let me ask you this. Why are you paying more and more money for less and less fabric? <laughs> and if it ain't for free, stop advertising. And if you're not going to sell it, don't advertise it either. I'm not scared today. I'm not scared today. It's Father's Day. If I'm going to get away with it any time. The drugs. I hate. I hate. I hate. In my city, you can't drive 100 yards without a car going by and you smell the pot coming out of it. Drugs all over our city, laced with fentanyl and stuff that just destroys lives. The smoking, you can't walk into the mall. <laughs> this, these things just have a hold on people's lives. Some of you are struggling with it. You've been able to drop other things, but that one has you. I'm praying for you, friend, and you can find victory in Jesus Christ, I promise you. Breaks my heart to see the, the grip of drugs on this city, the grip of alcohol on this city, the grip of false religion on this city. The biggest church in the area, yeah, I, and, and you know this, I've never cut down a fruit tree, I've never called out a church. I've never called out a church that is truly preaching the gospel. Go back in the, go back in the tapes, you will never be able to say you came against a church preacher. But Church Unlimited is not a church. And the biggest one in the biggest church in the area, the biggest church in the area is preaching a false gospel. I've met a couple people who were saved that went to their church, never met a Christian. And that's what we're looking to do here at Heritage Baptist Church and any other church that is going to preach the Bible, which doesn't have. Hmm. We're looking to make Christians here. Somebody who's different. Somebody who says, you remind me of Christ. I see this problem in the institutions that claim to be the church. The Southern Baptist Convention, our closest cousins, we are an independent Baptist church. Our closest cousins, the Southern Baptist Convention, just had to make it clear they had to make it clear. They appointed a committee to study whether or not the word pastor in the Bible is exclusively male. Husband of one, husband of one wife? You have to appoint a committee? What in the world is happening? The Methodists, you used to be able to go into a Methodist church not very long ago and hear the gospel. 90%, they just had a meeting up with their clergy. 90% of the clergy in the United Methodist Church just voted for gay clergy to be allowed in the Methodist church. 90%. And they claim to preach the gospel. Don't you fall for it. 
Don't you fall for it. Now, if you don't like this, you're welcome to go. But as long as you're here, you're going to hear the truth. And what has happened in our country is not because evil is running rampant. It's because people who know the truth won't stand for it. Catholics are wrong. Just put it there. Protestants are looking like the Catholics again. They protested against the Catholics, and now they're looking back. You always look like your mother. I see this problem in the lives of my own church members who are unfaithful, who are distracted, trying to live for two masters, and just absolute fruitlessness, fruitlessness in your life. You've been here for 10 years, 15 years. You don't go soul You have a horrible attitude. You have a horrible spirit. If your feet moved as fast as your tongue, you'd be the greatest Christian I knew. Absolute fruitlessness in your life. And listen, listen, do you know why I'm doing this? Because God called me to be the pastor here. Not the preacher. God called me to be the pastor here. I'm going to give an account for you. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, and it's, and it's mostly, it's mostly ladies. It's mostly ladies that have this problem. Now, some men do as well. But I'm not going to say all y'all. Some of you, and most of you ladies, have a problem. That's this main problem right here. And I've preached against it, and I've preached, and I've preached, and I've preached. I've preached a lot recently on this. I've preached against gossip. I've preached against lying. I've preached against hypocrisy. I have preached and preached and preached and preached. And you're not listening. This is the last pulpit warning. Next time, I'm going to your husband. Why are we quiet, men? Are you scared of your wife? I'm not. I'm not. You scared? Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. You're not the pastor. I'm the pastor. You scared of your wife? I preached the other day on Ezekiel, a man that should. A man that should stand in the gap. You know who amen the most? Single mothers in this room who are dying for a man to lead spiritually. But you better believe it, sir. If you don't lead her, she'll lead you. you. But here's the problem. Here's the root of the problem. And I'm not going to solve it with a conversation with your husband. Because I don't have a lot of confidence that your husband is going to stand up to you if he hasn't stood up to you yet. But I'm going to do my job. It's a problem. Beside the fact that I observe the symptoms of this problem everywhere I go, every day I live, I know this is the main problem because Jesus warned. At the beginning of his ministry, he he foresaw and he forewarned, this is going to be the main problem that my gospel will encounter. This right here. Now, many things have changed since Jesus walked the earth. But this problem hasn't changed. The only way you could say that is if, is if you want to argue it's gotten worse. Now listen, I want to be very clear here. You cannot solve the main problem of the world by yourself, okay? However, 
you can stop yourself from being a part of the main problem of the world. If the main problem of the world was cursing, your choosing not to curse would not stop the entire world from cursing. But you could have a clean mouth in a world that didn't. Are we making sense here? The personal decisions that you make may never make this world different. However, the personal decisions that you make can certainly make you different from the world. And what I'm trying to teach you is what you choose may never have the power to make the whole world do right. But even if the whole world came against you, they don't have the power to make you do wrong. You have the personal choice today to be a part of this main problem or different. And if you're taking notes, it's going to take five things. It will take five things if you are going to be different. First of all, honesty. You're going to have to be honest with yourself if you are a part of this problem or apart from this problem. And if you're anything like the crowd in the verses that we just read, the majority of us are a part of the problem. The majority. It's going to take honesty. Second of all, it's going to take obedience. Obedience. What good is it to go to the doctor's office and say, yeah, I'm sick, and then he gives you medicine, and then you don't take it? It's going to take obedience. It's going to take work. Four-letter word, sorry. It's going to take work. It doesn't just happen overnight. This problem didn't come overnight. The solution doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take work. It's going to take focus. And it's going to take perseverance. Constant fighting against this problem. Honesty, obedience, work, focus, perseverance. Now, these verses that we read contain the first parable that Jesus ever taught. Throughout his ministry, he used parables to describe what he called the, the kingdom of God. And a parable, the word parable means to place alongside. Okay? So why is that important? Well, it's difficult to explain something eternal to someone temporal. It's difficult to explain something infinite to somebody finite. It's difficult for people with such a small view of the world to understand something with such a large scope. So what Jesus would do is he would take something that we understand and he would cast it, he would place it alongside something we don't understand. And that way, if we can understand this, we can understand that. If we can understand how this works, we can understand that works. Does anybody understand God's love and grace for sinners? Does anybody understand that? No, but can you understand this? When a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing, he will be willing to leave the 90 and nine and go and find the one. And when he finds the one, he's not you stupid, dragging it. No, he throws it over his shoulder, rejoicing the entire time and says, come and rejoice with me because I found the one that was lost. We can understand that. That's how God loves you. He's not happy with the ones he has. He's looking for the one because he loves the one and he loves sinners and he'll carry the sinner and forgive the sinner and bring him back into the fold like a shepherd would a sheep. We can understand that, right? 
This parable is the most important parable he ever told. And we get that from Mark because they, they said, we don't understand it. And he said, how do you not understand this? But if you don't understand this, you will not be able to understand any other parable. So this first parable is the most important because it reveals this main problem that keeps people from listening to all the other parables. Did that make sense? It made sense to me. I'm glad it makes sense to you. So in this first parable, Jesus reveals three truths. I'm going to try to get through those, and then we'll come back. Because I'm on page 3 of 13. Now listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I've yelled, I've screamed, you think this is a crazy person. You might say, I will never come back here. Never come back, but listen. Listen. Three truths that, that Jesus reveals in this parable. The first truth is in regards to his message. The second truth is in regards to the target of his message. And then the third truth is in regards to this main problem that his message is going to encounter. But those are the three truths. His message, the target of his message, and the main enemy of his message. Okay? So let's first of all talk about the, the first truth, okay, in regards to his message. And here's what he teaches in this parable that we just read. The gospel is powerful. That is what he is teaching here. The gospel is powerful. It's clear enough in Matthew's account that the seed in the parable is the gospel. But then you can read in Mark and he says, the sower soweth the word. And you cannot read this parable without coming to the conclusion. Jesus is clearly teaching the gospel, the message that I give has the power to change a person from being dead and empty and worthless and barren to being alive and full and valuable and fruitful. Amen. Just as a seed can bring a harvest of life out of a plot of dirt, so the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring growth and abundance out of a life of nothing. Now, I have to look no further than this room right here to know that the gospel is powerful. Those of you who are new here at our church, please do not get the impression that the people that you see here are perfect and that they are all put together. In fact, I told my Sunday school class this, there is no perfect church. And please, I beg you, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. Please. <laughs> For those of you who are new here at our church, these, peop these people that you see, they're, they're, they may seem dressed up and they may, may seem kind and they may seem like they have clean speech and, and they're upstanding people. They, they may seem like all of that. But if any of that is true, it is only because the gospel of Jesus Christ has reached those people. Amen. It is only because the God and, and for those of you who who have been here for a long time and you have been saved or, or, or whatever. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. I already shot that down. If, if you are saved, don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare forget who you were and who you would be if the gospel of Jesus Christ had not come to you. Amen. Many of you were drunks. Many of you were addicted. I know because I helped you. I counseled you. Many of you were mean. Many of you were angry. 
Many of you were bitter, bitter at people who had done something to you, bitter because of an assault that had come on you, bitter because of a death that had happened and you were angry at God, bitter because you had been at a church, whether like this or not, that burned you. Many of you were bitter, you were alone, you were hateful, and you were hated. And you were hopeless to change yourself. And you tried religion. And you tried confession. And you tried good works. You tried to tell yourself in the morning, I'm not going to sin today. And then you went to the pantry, and somebody put the Lucky Charms box back empty. But there's Frosted Flakes, that's fine. But then you go, and somebody put the milk carton back with about that much. And by the time you get to work, you've cussed everybody out. On the day that you told yourself, I'm going to do better today, you were very quickly reminded of who you were. And so then you say, I'm just not going to care. I'm just not going to care. That didn't work either. You tried to forget. You tried to overcome on your own. But you know it. It wasn't until the gospel of Jesus Christ came to you. It wasn't until you heard there is a Savior who loves me. Loves me. Me? Loves me? After what I just said, after what I just did, he loves me and he cares for me. And, and not only does he love me and he cares for me, but he seeks after me so that he can forgive me and that he can help me. A man that I grew up with at church, his testimony was this. He grew up in the Catholic church and it didn't, it didn't resonate with him. It didn't, it, because it's not the truth, my friend. It's not the truth. But he came to a church like this and he said, somebody told me about Jesus and he says, they told me he helps people and I need help. That's what the gospel does. It wasn't until you heard the very son of God died though he never sinned. And he was buried, though no grave could hold him. And he rose again, though all of hell tried to fight to keep him in. And it wasn't until you believed that message that you were captivated and you were cultivated and you were changed into who you are today. Because the gospel is powerful. Romans chapter 1 tells us the gospel is the power of God unto them that believe. Look around this room. We are not individuals who have always been right always been orderly, always been clean, always been kind. We are nothing but sinners who are wrong and chaotic and filthy and rude and worthless on our own. But the gospel of Jesus Christ brought life where once was death and fruit where once we were barren and love where once was hate and light where once was darkness. And it can do the same thing for anybody who has ears to hear. Because the gospel is powerful. Listen, wearied sinner, you don't need religion. You need the gospel. You need Jesus. And listen, religious person, you don't need more good works. If your good works did anything, why do you constantly wake up every morning thinking you got to do more? You don't need religion. You need Jesus Christ. You have no more hope of seeing life without Jesus Christ than a piece of dirt has hope of putting forth a plant without seed. Turn away from religions of the earth and the traditions of the world and opinions of man. Why well, I came here? Because I want to know what the Baptists think. I'm glad I'm a Baptist. I'm a big B Baptist, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, blowing the bottle, spit in the sand, don't know what any of that means. <laughs> 
but I am a Christian first. I do not follow the Baptist denomination. I follow the Bible, and I follow Jesus Christ. And that is what you need. Believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's open for all. And that means it's open for you. For God so loved some people. For God so loved the elect. For God so loved 144,000. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that leads to the second truth. We're making progress. That leads to the second truth that Jesus brings out in this parable. This powerful, life-bringing, life-changing gospel is open to everybody. It's open to everybody. There are four types of soils that are brought out in here. Four types of ground. The wayside ground, which this is deep. You might want to write that down. It's a way on the side of something. (laughs) But what, what he's talking about is it's ground that's trampled down. Okay? And it's hard. It's compact. Okay? There's wayside ground. There's stony ground. Now, it's not like gravel or the river rock that's out in front of your house. It's stones that are hidden underneath the surface. So all you see is soil, and it looks like good and tilled soil, but there's stones underneath. And then there's thorny ground. Thorny ground is the seed goes on it, but there's other seed in there that's going to germinate as well. Some bad seed, and that's going to grow along with the good seed. But then there's good ground. It's tilled, it's black, it's moist, it's, ugh, it's, it's, it's loose, and it's fertile, okay? Four different types of ground. But notice with me, notice with me, the sower didn't discriminate on what ground he sowed. He sowed on the wayside just as freely as he sowed on the good. And he sowed on the stony just as freely as he sowed on the good. He sowed on the thorny just as much as he sowed on the good. Jesus is bringing out, just like that sower went everywhere with the seed, the gospel is open for everybody. The gospel that has the power to change lives would not be withheld from anybody based on what their life looked like. What is the the logic of withholding a life-changing gospel from somebody who needs their life changed the most? Jesus made his intentions very clear here at the beginning. I just want to make you clear what I'm doing in my ministry. I'm about to unleash a powerful message, and it's open to anybody. Do you have ears? Do you have ears? Cool. It's open to you. It's open to you. He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. We're going to try to start bringing it home here. Fasten your seatbelts. We're coming in for a landing. And we're going to hit some turbulence on the way down. Let me get this straight. If a life-bringing, life-changing, powerful, beyond-compare gospel has been given to anybody who has ears to hear it, Why is this world in such a mess? Why? Why is this Pride Month in a world where a life-changing, life-altering gospel has been given to that world? Why is alcohol rampant? Why are drugs rampant? Why is hatred and injustice rampant? Why is there racism? For God so loved the world, oh, except for blacks! What what are we talking about here? Because they live closer to the equator? Jesus doesn't love them? Ridiculous. 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 
for God so loved the world. Why are we dealing with this still? Why are we still dealing with violence? Why are we still dealing with greed? Where our last two presidents should be ashamed of themselves. Sorry to hurt you Republicans. My goodness. Why is all that so prevalent in a country where such a powerful gospel has been given? Don't we, don't we pride ourselves on being a Christian nation? We better be careful before we throw that out so quickly. Why are institutions who claim to be sowers of the gospel changing the gospel instead of letting the gospel change? Why do I see it in my own church members? Why do I see the unfruitfulness in a place that proclaims the gospel. How dare some of you say, I am a member of Heritage Baptist Church and you haven't led a soul to Christ in your life. And I see no fruits of the Spirit, no love, no joy, no peace, no long-suffering, long-suffering patience with people, goodness, meekness, temperance. I see none of that. Why this main problem right here? This main problem. But why is it happening? When such a powerful gospel has been given to us, why do I struggle with selfishness? And why do I struggle with rebellion and worry and all that stuff? What is the problem here? And that's the third thing he reveals. The problem isn't a gospel problem. It's powerful. And the problem isn't a spread problem. It's open to everybody. It's a soil problem. It's a heart problem. Look in verse 13. Let me tell you why I speak to them in parables. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. Why? heart problem. For this people's heart is waxed gross. The problem isn't with the seed. Problem isn't with the spread. Problem is with the soil. The heart of your problem, sir, is always a heart problem. The heart of your problem, ma'am, is always a heart problem. Now, if you came here to be stroked and told how good of a person you are, I'm sorry to let you down, but we're sinners and we have a heart problem. It's not a gospel problem, and it's not a spread problem. It's a soil problem. So let's make this as simple as it can be made before I'm done. If you go to hell when you die, it won't be because the gospel wasn't powerful enough to change your life. And it won't be because the gospel wasn't open to you. It will be because you weren't open to the gospel. It's not just people who have ears. Do you have ears to hear? If you go to hell when you die, it will not be because the gospel could not change your life. It will not be because you didn't hear it. You heard it today. Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And he was loving enough to die, patient enough to be buried, powerful enough to rise again. Could you not believe that the Lord who was loving enough to die and patient enough to be buried 
and powerful enough to rise again, would be loving enough and patient enough and powerful enough to forgive you of your sin if you asked him to? Could you not believe that? That is the gospel. If you go to hell, it won't be because of a gospel problem or a spread problem. It will be because of a heart problem. Oh, but I'm saved. You don't have to worry about me. Oh, I'm worried about you. The devil may not take you to hell, but he'll let you live like it. And if you live like hell before you die, it won't be because of a gospel problem. It's powerful. It would change your life. It wouldn't just let you go to heaven. It would let you grow to heaven. Won't be a gospel problem. Won't be a spread problem. You might be able to say that if you were a member of a church that didn't preach the truth. It will be because of a heart problem. That is why our world is filled with sin. That is why our churches are filled with sin. That is why our lives are filled with sin. Not because of a problem with the gospel. Not because the gospel is not meant for the world. But because it's a heart problem. I wrote something here and I can't read my own writing. No clue. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 31 and we'll be done. I am on page 8 of 13. I know exactly what I wrote. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Note to self, write a little bit more legibly next time. I have a pain in my arm. I have a pain in my left arm. It's kind of chasing up into my neck. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to my wife and I'm going to tell her every night, I, I want you to massage my arm. I want you to massage my arm. As long as you massage my arm, it, it makes it feel just a little bit better. But then as soon as she stops, that pain comes back again. And I start to get some cold chills and I start to get shortness of breath. So, so what do I do? Well, I'm just going to rest and kind of take some deep breaths. No, sir, you're having a heart attack. So if you want to just massage your arm and deal with the symptoms, rather than dealing with the root of the problem, the problem will never go away. And what I'm trying to tell you in this message right here is you need to stop just dealing with the symptoms. Stop just snipping off the leaves and the bad fruit that is growing from the heart that is wicked and needs to be changed. That's what you need to address. And that's what the gospel is looking to do. And it's powerful enough to do it. And it was always God's plan. I should probably turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. Let's see how quickly, 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 quickly. Ha ha. 3131, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. So that didn't work, did it? Here's my co covenant. These laws, 10, just to begin with, let's start with that. Yes, sir. What's number one? Thou shalt make no graven image, have no other gods before me. Cool. One week later, they make a moo cow. <laughs> so Jesus says, all right, God says, all right, new covenant. 
Although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. I'm going to do some heart surgery. And will be their God, they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. If that's true, that's good news. That's good news, isn't it, sir? That all your sins can be forgiven today. And all of it can be lifted off your shoulders. All of it, all of it, gone, ma'am, all of it, gone. That's good news. That is the gospel, and it's life-changing, and it's open to you. The question is, are you open to it? Next week, we'll talk about what keeps our hearts closed. But for now, I invite you. Do you have ears to hear? Will you hear? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.